Chapter 3 of Toby Tyler, or 10 Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Doug Hanna. Toby Tyler, or 10 Weeks with a Circus, by James Otis. Chapter 3 The Night Ride. The wagon on which Mr. Lord was to send his newfound employee was, by the most singular chance, the one containing the monkeys. And Toby accepted this as a good omen. He would be near his venerable friend all night, and there was some consolation in that. The driver instructed the boy to watch his movements, and when he saw him leading his horses around to look lively and be on hand, for he never waited for anyone. Toby not only promised to do as ordered, but he followed the driver around so closely that, had he desired, he could not have rid himself of his little companion. The scene which presented itself to Toby's view was strange and weird in the extreme. Shortly after he had attached himself to the man with whom he was to ride, the performance was over, and the work of putting the show and its belongings into such a shape as could be conveyed from one town to another was soon in active operation. Toby forgot his grief, forgot that he was running away from the only home he had ever known. In fact, forgot everything concerning himself. So interested was he in that which was going on around him. As soon as the audience had got out of the tent, and almost before, the work of taking down the canvas was begun. Torches were stuck in the earth at regular intervals. The lights that had shone so brilliantly in and around the ring had been extinguished. The canvas sides had been taken off, and the boards that had formed the seats were being packed into one of the carts with a rattling sound that seemed as if a regular fusillade of musketry was being indulged in. Men were shouting, horses were being driven hither and thither, harnessed to the wagons, or drawing the huge carts away as soon as they were loaded, and everything seemed in the greatest state of confusion, while really the work was being done in the most systematic manner possible. Toby had not long to wait before the driver informed him that the time for starting had arrived and assisted him to climb up to the narrow seat whereon he was to ride that night. Toby's First Night Ride The scene was so exciting, and his efforts to stick to the narrow seat so great that he really had no time to attend to the homesick feeling that had crept over him during the first part of the evening. The long procession of carts and wagons drove slowly out of town, and when the last familiar house had been passed, the driver spoke to Toby for the first time since they started. Pretty hard work to keep on, eh, Sonny? Yes, replied the boy, as the wagon jolted over a rock, bouncing him high in the air, and he, by strenuous efforts, barely succeeded in alighting the seat again. It is pretty hard work, and my name's Toby Tyler. Toby heard a queer sound that seemed to come from the man's throat, and for a few minutes, he feared that his companion was choking. But he soon understood that this was simply an attempt to laugh, and he at once decided that it was a very poor style of laughing. So, you object to being called Sonny, do you? Well, I'd rather be called Toby, for, you see, that's my name. All right, my boy, we'll call you Toby. I suppose you thought it was a mighty fine thing to run away and join the circus, didn't you? Toby started in a fright, looked around cautiously, and then tried to peer down through the small square aperture, guarded by iron rods, that opened to the cage just back of the seat where they were sitting on. Then he turned slowly around to the driver and asked, in a voice sunk to a whisper, 
How did you know that I was running away? Did he tell you? And Toby motioned with his thumb as if he were pointing out someone behind him. It was the driver's turn now to look in search of the he referred to by Toby. Who do you mean? asked the man impatiently. Why, the old feller, the one in the cart there. I think he knew I was running away, though he didn't say anything about it, but he looked just as if he did. The driver looked at Toby in perfect amazement for a moment, and then, as if suddenly understanding the boy, relapsed into one of those convulsive efforts that caused the blood to rush up into his face and gave him every appearance of having a fit. You must mean one of the monkeys, said the driver, after he had recovered his breath which had almost been shaken out of his body by this silent laughter. So you thought a monkey had told me what any fool could have seen if he watched you for five minutes? Well, said Toby slowly, as if he feared he might provoke one of those terrible laughing spells again. I saw him tonight, and he looked as if he knew what I was doing. So I up and told him, and I didn't know, but he's told you, though he didn't look to me like a feller that would be so mean. There was another internal shaking on the part of the driver, which Toby did not fear so much, since he was getting accustomed to it. And then the man said, Well, you're the queerest little cove I ever saw. I suppose I am, was the reply, accompanied by a long-drawn sigh. I don't seem to amount to so much as the other fellers do, and I guess it's because I'm always hungry. You see, I eat awful, Uncle Daniel says. The only reply which the driver made to this plaintive confession was to put his hand down into the deepest recesses of one of his deep pockets, and to draw therefrom a huge donut, which he handed to his companion. Toby was so much at ease by this time that the appetite which had failed him at supper had now returned in full force, and he devoured the donut in a most ravenous manner. "'You're too small to eat so fast,' said the man in a warning tone as the last morsel of the greasy sweetness disappeared, and he fished up another for the boy. "'Sometime you'll get hold of one of the India rubber donuts that they feed to circus people and choke yourself to death.' Toby shook his head and devoured the second cake as quickly as he had the first, craning his neck and uttering a funny little squeak as the last bit went down, just as the chicken does when he gets to a large mouthful of dough. I'll never choke, he said confidently. I'm used to it, and Uncle Daniel says I could eat a pair of boots and never wink at him, but I don't just believe that. As the driver made no reply to this remark, Toby curled himself up on one corner of the seat and watched with no little interest all that was passing on around him. Each of the wagons had a lantern fastened to the hind axle, and these lights could be seen far ahead on the road, as if a party of fireflies had started in single file on an excursion. The trees by the side of the road stood out weird and ghostly looking in the darkness, and the rumble of the carts ahead and behind formed a musical accompaniment to the picture that sounded strangely doleful. Mile after mile was passed over in perfect silence, save now and then when the driver would whistle a few bars of some very dismal tune that would fairly make Toby shiver with its mournfulness. Eighteen miles was the distance from Guilford to the town where the next performance of the circus was to be given, and as Toby thought of the ride before them, it seemed as if the time would be almost interminable. He curled himself up on one corner of the seat and tried very hard to go to sleep, but just as his eyes began to grow heavy, the wagon jolt over some rock or sink deep in some rut till Toby, the breath very nearly shaken out of his body and neck almost dislocated, would sit bolt upright, clinging to the seat with both hands, as if he expected each movement to be pitched out into the mud.
The driver watched him closely, and each time that he saw him shaken up and awakened so thoroughly, he would indulge in one of his silent laughing spells, until Toby would wonder whether he would ever recover from it. Several times had Toby been awakened, and each time he had seen the amusement his sufferings caused, until he finally resolved to put an end to the sport by keeping awake. What is your name? he asked of the driver, thinking a conversation would be the best way to rouse himself into wakefulness. Well, said the driver, as he gathered the reins carefully in one hand, and seemed to be debating in his mind how he should answer the question. I don't know as I know myself. It's been so long since I've heard it. Toby was wide enough awake now as this rather singular problem was forced upon his mind. He revolved the matter silently for some moments, and at last he asked, What if folks call you when they want to speak to you? They always call me Old Ben, and I've got so used to the name that I don't need any other. Toby wanted very much to ask more questions, but he wisely concluded that it would not be agreeable to his companion. I'll ask the old man about it, said Toby to himself, referring to the aged monkey who he seemed to feel acquainted with. He most likely knows, if he'll say anything. After this, the conversation ceased until Toby again ventured to suggest. It's a pretty long drive, ain't it? You want to wait till you've been in this business a year or two, said Ben sagely, and then you won't think much of it. Why, I've known the showdowns to be 30 miles apart, and them was the times that we had lively work of it. Riding all night and working all day kind of wears on a fellow. Yes, I suppose so, said Toby with a sigh, as he wondered whether he had got to work as hard as that. But I suppose you get all you want to eat, don't you? Now you've struck it, said Ben, with the air of one about to impart a world of wisdom, as he crossed one leg over the other, that his position might be as comfortable as possible while he was initiating the young companion into the mysteries of life. I've had all the boys ride with me since I've been with this show, and I've tried to start them right, but they didn't seem to profit by it, and I always got sick of the show and run away just because they didn't look out for themselves as they ought to. Now listen to me, Toby, and remember what I say. You see, they put us all in a hotel together, and some of these places where we go don't have too much stuff on the table. Whenever we strike a new town, you find out at the hotel what time they have the grub ready, and you be on hand so as to get in with the first. Eat all you can and fill your pockets. If that's all a feller has to do to travel with a circus, said Toby, I'm just the one, cause I always used to do that just when I hadn't any idea of being a circus man. Then you'll get along all right, said Ben as he checked the speed of his horses and looking carefully ahead, said, as he guided his team to one side of the road, this is as far as we're going tonight. Toby learned that they were within a couple miles of the town, and that the entire procession would remain by the roadside until time to make the grand entree into the village, when every wagon, horse, and man would be decked out in the most gorgeous array as they had been when they entered Guilford. Under Ben's direction, he wrapped himself up in an old horse blanket and lay down on top of the wagon, and he was so tired from the excitement of the day and night that he had hardly stretched out at full length before he was fast asleep. End of chapter 3 Recording by Doug Hanna www.bluesquidproductions.com